0: Greetings fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension and welcome to The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. My name is Emma Foster and trying to tame the universe by shouting at it is Mr. Mike Mould. How are you, sir? I'll never be cruel to an
1: electron and a particle accelerate again.
0: <laughs> oh man, I'm going to have words about the baffle gab in this episode. And <laughs> so in this one, we're going to be talking about the Pirate Planet, the next installment of the Key to Time saga. Hmm. Um, so Mike, would you like to kick us off as we traditionally do here on this show? Uh, will you read the back of the box? I'll
1: put it away, but I'll uh, I'll quickly read. <laughs> I'll read the synopsis from the Tardis wiki. that's good <clears throat> enough. Yeah, that does. <laughs> the Doctor and Romana learn the second segment of the key to timers on the planet Calufrax. Yet they arrive on a planet called Xanak, which has been hollowed out and fitted with hyperspace engines, allowing its insane half robot captain to materialise around smaller planets and plunder the resources.
0: Yep, and that's about it, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do You know what? I watched. I... <sighs> I'm going to start off and I feel like I'm, the, the internet knives are going to come out for me when I say this. Mm. Don't really like it. I'm the same. Really? Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't... Well, here's the thing. It's not bad. No. No, not at all. But watching it, following on from the rebus operation, it's just not as good.
0: No, it's not. Yeah. Um... For me, I think something that came home to me while I was watching it today, episode one is almost entirely unnecessary. Mm. Literally, if you're pushed for time, you could skip episode one and just watch two, three, and four. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And you would pick it up fine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, as long as you know they're looking for the key to time.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I mean,
0: that's pretty much it. It doesn't really, as I say, the story will no, restart. to yeah, so episode two.
1: Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it's very weird. Hmm. It's very weird. Mm. It's very weird. I think it's
0: very weird. I think because um, I think we should talk about the biggest, the one of the most, uh, the most um, well-known facts about the Pirate Planet mm-hmm. is his first go of uh, Douglas Adams at writing TV. Yeah. Can you tell? Yeah, mm, a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean the um, the the main special feature, the documentary on the DVD, so like does go into this. Like he had zero experience. Writing for television, and you know, for a man whose brains like went in several different directions at once when he had an idea, you know, it's it's very sort of obvious that Mm. it's not it's not his finest work. And I think also at the time he was working on Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
0: I think there's a bit of bleeding in. Oh yeah, like you know these sort of things with like ooh words, which are in the Mm -hmm. great in Hitchhiker's a lot and. It, it, you can see that it, it's kind of soaked into this script. I feel.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the um, the line from the doctor I said at the top of the show is also got uh, showed up in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I can't remember what it was in that because it ended no. up being slurred, is because you know Ford and Arthur were jumping into hyperspace. So and it, it, it's and of course like in Hitchhiker's Guide, it's remarkably like being drunk. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> This end up like sounding like really slurred and stuff. So you know, but it's you can tell it's the same line.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's things like when when K nine is saying that you know they'll be here in like twelve seconds or something. Mm. I mean, it's been a long time since I've read Hitchhikers. I'll confess, but I'm sure there's a bit in it where um, yeah, it says like you know, full prefect who will be arriving in this story in thirty five seconds and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there is definitely a bit of. Well, quite a lot of backs and forwards, I think. And like I say, I think that the ex- his inexperience with pacing a show, mm-hmm. it, it really comes out. I mean, because, I mean, there's a... Like, the Doctor gets captured for an episode and a half,
1: mm-hmm.
0: really only to make the story as long as it is. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, there. I mean, even in episode four there's an entire it, when you get to episode 4 there's a bit where they've solved everything mm-hmm. and everyone stands around talking about it for five minutes before the show finishes
1: yeah I mean you, you don't really see the Doctor solve the problem he just talks about it he talks yeah. about the idea of solving it but you, you know and, and the final it. kick
0: in the teeth is that they like go oh yes well we'll go and pick the key to time up on our way out bye bye It's like, <laughs> peace out <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, it's like you know, this is the key to time saga. Yeah. I require you to pick up the piece of the key to time at the end of the show. Yeah. I, Not just uh... say, oh, and we picked it up. Otherwise, I might as well. You might as well just said, oh, we got that on the way to episode Stones of bloody in episode three. I'm, yeah,
1: I'm trying to remember. Like, um, uh, I'm obviously, we I'm skipping ahead a bit, but Armageddon mm-hmm. Factor. I think even by then, they still hadn't picked up the second part of the key to time. No,
0: I think so. <laughs> oh so, dear. Yeah.
1: So it's, it's very this is very much one of those stories where it was the idea and then they had to sort of like stick the key to time bits on to it
0: yeah they kind of had to bolt all those bits together I mean I'm not I've, I've sort of I feel loath to disrespect you know a you know something you know a great writer like Douglas Adams but I just feel like although like I say it's not bad show yeah. by any respect it's the pacing is is really off for me yeah and, you know, like I say, it, it's sort of indicative that I can sort of zone out, look at my phone for most of episode one because I was looking mm. at something else mm-hmm. and then go, oh, it's episode two. I haven't missed anything.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Pretty much. And like I say, I can't really get over the fact they don't pick, even pick up the bloody bit of key to time in it. <laughs> you know, slot that in the end. Yeah. Um, it, I think it, as well, there's probably a case that it the pacing doesn't really work because I think. People got people who were making the show got it into their heads. That this was kind of a comedy episode, mm-hmm. where he's got some really dark bits.
1: Yeah, but even then, it's it's sort of not. I mean, the whole bit the captain was Douglas Adams, what was sort of wrote him to be like. He's very loud and shouty, but that's just a front. Mm. But that never really sort of like comes through in the episode.
0: No, I mean this this show is like bellowing with the yeah. captain. I mean that mm-hmm. is what it
1: is. I mean, he does have he does have moments where they he, you know, don't, brings it down, and mm. you know he he isn't like so mental, but it's yeah, it's just I don't I don't think they really sort like, of got how it's supposed to be. I don't know whether like Adams like wrote it a bit too clever for them or what or just it was just misinterpreted, but I
0: don't know. I just I wonder if it's because. Douglas Adams, is, I mean, you can't really, his reputation you can't really precede him because
1: mm.
0: he hasn't really done much to this point. So, exactly. I don't know, I just, I, I, like you say, I presume that on the paper, on the page, it, it came across as, you know, just a big shouty panto villain, essentially. Mm. I mean, it um, does it
1: really well, but.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, fantastic. But when the end of the episode is basically everyone is dead on the floor. <laughs>
1: Yeah, another rebus, operations, a rebus operation did that better. You know, yeah. the, the captain mourns Mr. Fibuli, but it's just not as well done as the graph and decay. Um, and what's his face, Sherlock?
0: Mm. I mean, something that, that comes to mind with um, with this is, is, I mean, I kind of, again, this kind of discontinuity with it in it all, that no one really looks like they belong there. Mm. and. You know, I'm I'm the first to complain about oh, you know, in Star Trek especially was the words for this. They go somewhere that's like bloody Laura Ashley Planet, everyone is dressed in beige. <laughs> um but the fact that you've got Mr Fibley and the captain and everyone else who lives there, they just look like they've all come from different episodes and landed there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I can sort of like understand like um the the captain's um, robot ed- bits. Yeah. And there's engineering the planet so it brings them prosperity and things like that. But it's it seems so very weird.
0: You yeah, know? I mean, especially got Mr Fibley kinda creeping around with his like, you know, his his cool nineteen seventies sunglasses on that he's wearing <laughs> indoors all the time. Just doesn't fit with, you know, the the bloody many <laughs> Mentiads walking around in rags.
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh, the thing with Mr. Faberle was, I think it was in one of the earlier draft scripts, according to the infotext on the DVD, was he was actually a descendant of the captain's first mate. So the captain's been around for a couple of hundred years now, obviously because of his cybernetic enhancements. Um, but uh, that's just one thing that just that like never came through.
0: Yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, I'm, I'm like, let's I say, I, I don't expect everyone on an alien planet to all look the same and all dress the same, because mm. that's not, like, how planets work. But, I mean, you, you sort of expect a bit of continuity when it's a closed society and, mm-hmm. you know, they just crush planets for a living.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know, it just seems strange to me, because Mr. Fibri especially really kind of sticks out like a sore thumb to me in this episode, <laughs> this show, and I, you know... I keep yeah. expecting him to turn around and introduce, you know, Shawaddy Waddy or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean I don't I don't mind Mr. Fibuli,
1: actually, I kinda like him as
0: a I quite like him as a character, yeah. yeah. I mean because you should I mean when you've got a character as big and as panto ish as the mm-hmm. captain, I mean you kind of need his kind of creepy underling Yeah. That does his bidding, don't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, the bit I always
1: like with him is uh, when the captain says to him, "Like your death has been postponed." And he just "Oh, yeah,
0: thanks, thanks, yeah." <laughs> Again, but it's, it, lines like that—it's none more Douglas Adamsy, that sort mm. of thing. Yeah. And I think coming to it as as a viewer who's you know many years later, are po- in a post Hitchhiker's world. Mm-hmm. When you when you watch these things, they kind of. Like I say, it, 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 it sticks out. It doesn't flow as a... You know, you can imagine Douglas Sand's writing that and thinking it's funny. Mm-hmm. Or thinking, it, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, that's good. That's something he'd say. But yeah. it kind of doesn't flow with the rest of the... with the rest of the script, almost. Mm. Like, these these funny little bits, kind of, you know, like all the things about um the, when the Doctor gets knocked out by good vibes and stuff. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't seem to fit with... Yeah, I never liked the good vibrations line
1: no I, mean, I, I think obviously it's supposed to like a like a beach boy shower or whatever mm. but you know i could understand it if it was like joe grant saying it mm. but not
0: somebody on an alien planet <laughs> well it, it kind of doesn't jibe with uh, the rest of the what the characters are talking about you know yeah, I mean because i like, say so in, the, in the mostly not needed episode one i mean they come across as kind of a a superstitious kind of backwards tribe sort of ruled up on high by a, a voice that just tells them the good times are coming.
1: Yeah. You know, they don't
0: understand what's happening to... Um, sort of happening around them. And then all of a sudden, you've got to drop in all good vibes lingo. Yeah. Even it's like the... Um, I think was it was it episode th- two or three, I think,
1: when Kimis is talking to the Doctor about, you know, the, the, like, the minds, and he says, like, the the lights in the sky change. The lights in the sky bits. Like so stuck out mm. to me because, again, that's going back to Reboss operation.
0: Mm. Uh, so, and it's, again, uh, it's the thing of, is this, is this society, like, oppressed and backwards again a bit, you know, is it like Reboss that, you know, they don't know about <laughs> the orbit of planets and stars and stuff yeah. like that? Or are they, you know, good vibrations and looking at all this technology and, you know, I can shoot three guys with a gun I've only just picked up. I mean, what... Uh, yeah. What is this? What is this society? You know, say society. We meet three blokes from it. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's 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 really bizarre. It's it's never really sort of clear. It's still, I mean, you you've got like you know Kimus and Mueller who are sort of like the more like free thinking members. But even even so like that's not very sort of obvious. I mean Ballatin. His characters just there, just like stand around and wring his hands and go, oh no.
0: <laughs> and like with the, the Mentiads, I mean, I sort of, you know, I I sort of understand this whole idea that when, I mean, something that Doctor Who just kind of has always done, and no one really argues about it. This whole idea that psychic energy mm-hmm. is a thing yeah. that exists is just as much as any other type of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the Mentiads are kind of like, whoa, this is what's happening, you know, but. You can't tell me in a society that's got that is fine with flying cars. Yeah. That no one really knows about you know, ESP or anything like that. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very odd. It is very strange. I mean, these are sort of this is a you know, I think I feel like I'm sort of banging on, you know, kind of a a quite a minor point. But I, for me it kind of dis- when you're sitting and watching this probably all as it probably doesn't help watching it as one big lump. Mm. But when you watch this, it, it kind of things like that just got to go, and it kind of like pulls the handbrake up and changes the way that your sort of your mind is when you're watching this story. And then all of a sudden, it sort of pulls the handbrake up and does it again. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to watch this, you know, and watch it and sort of have the story flow logically. It just sort of it's it, it something that that we sort of level at RTD a lot that he's tremendous at writing scenes, can't write a pulse episode. Yeah, it sort of feels a bit like the same thing here. Mm. You know that bit with the you know that travelator thing that they've got.
1: Yeah,
0: I feel like they would solely pull it in for that gag where the guys fly off the end of it and into the wall. Yeah, I mean it's a good gag. But oh, it's a great gag. It's... But it's solely there for that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's like bits looking for a cohesive whole. Mm.
0: I mean, as well, something that really stuck out to me in this watching this was the as John Pert we called it the baffle gab. Mm. Or the technobabble as we would otherwise call it in this is out of control. Yeah. I mean it gets dumped a lot at the end of the story. Yeah, I mean, but even throughout when they're in mm. that, you know, the 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 power plant, it's just like <sighs> You know, that old Harrison Ford line that, you know, that he writes this shit, you sure as hell can't say it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh god. <laughs> I mean, it I, really, it really. Again, it's not a case of like, oh, you know, you can. It's one of those things. It kind of disrupts the flow of the scene as you're watching it.
1: Mm-hmm. it. It would be, it would be different if it sort of like, well, not necessarily meant something, if you know what I mean. But it, if it had any sort of like, it's, it's, it's hard to like. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm trying to like draw a parallel with Star Trek. Yeah. You know, and that has a lot of baffled cabinet. Yeah, but when, to a point, when
0: you watch that, Mm -hmm. you kind, if you've been watching Star Trek for a while, you kind of know, like, if Joel is bubbling on about the warp engines, Mm -hmm. you basically know what a warp engine is. And because you basically know, you basically, in the conceit of the show, you basically know how it works. Mm -hmm. If you're saying the warp engine's overloading because blah, 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 you go, okay, well, the warp engine is knackered, then we're in trouble until he fixes it. Mm -hmm. But with this, because it's all like, it's so isolated to this story. Yeah. It just, it, you couldn't care less because, you know, you you haven't really got any context for it. Mm, yeah. So it just comes across as this bleh. <laughs> yeah. Um, something else. <laughs> so again, saying <laughs> T.R.C. Douglas adams I I don't know how to really take it. Mm. We've got to talk about the polyphase Avatron. <laughs> Which um, I feel like was included just to shut Tom Baker up. Hmm. Because this is, this is sort of the dawn of his uh, his real kind of campaign to not have a companion. Hmm. And there was this whole thing about he could equally do it with a cabbage on his shoulder. Yeah. So welcome the polyphase, Avertron. Yeah. Which it's... basically to me looks like a Boba Fett helmet on a load of garbage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... It's weird, and it kills with its own electronic bird poo or something. I,
0: something like that, yeah.
1: Um, but, I mean, I do like the idea of it having a brawl with K9. Yeah.
0: There's
1: something about that that's pretty good. I mean, it, it's a shame you don't get to see more of it, but then again, you can't see more of it because they're both so limited in their technology.
0: <laughs> mm. You know, there's this whole big thing about, oh, look, K9 can move its head up and down. Mm. <laughs> amazing <laughs> but I think that it, 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 it's I mean cause I was just flipping through um, you know a few of my books and sort of doing a bit of research about this mm-hmm. that apparently they sort of very definitely destroyed it at the end of the episode so Tom Baker couldn't campaign to keep it yeah and then it's apparently really the prop ended up in the skip oh <laughs> <laughs> it's like no don't let him have it get rid of it <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> um, what do you make of Romana in this one?
1: Um, still very good, actually.
0: I do. Oh yes, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah.
1: Um, I like I like the fact that she's the one who manages to get uh, talking to the the locals and things, and um, it, it also also it's a, a nice sort of prelude to um time of angels when you have River Pile the TARDIS and she does a much better job of it the than the Doctor does. Yeah.
0: Um, I think it's quite cool that we've sort of moved past the old, the, you know, she's new in the TARDIS stuff quite quickly. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, she's held up by guys with guns in this and just goes, oh, okay, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. just goes with it and she's fine with it. So. Yeah, it's. Um,
1: she's definitely not as, like, haughty as she was. Well, she still is, but not as much as she was in Rebus Operation.
0: No, not as. It's not as um, sort of like her only character, note, which mm-hmm. I think you could probably. Accuser of in rebos
1: yeah. I mean, it's sort of like the bit where she's just like snarks at the the guard, you know. And, yeah. and she says, "Well, I did come with the doctor." And he says, "Who's the?" And she's like, "Oh, well, don't tell me Doctor's Forbidden is as well."
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's obviously. I mean, I do sort of get the impression that maybe the Doctor and Ramana have been knocking around for a bit, hmm. sort of in between the two episodes that the, between this and Reboss because sort of the the level of comfort between them and sort mm. of how Romana's character is sort of implies that this isn't like it happened yet like rebo happened yesterday mm. and now we're doing this, yeah um so with all, th- all this as well um like the the sets and stuff in this but
1: mm. not i mean the location stuff's great, yeah, um the sets uh yeah.
0: I think the only reason why it's stick i sort of mention it—is because you. It's sort of like you know the, the difference between the set and the outside is quite marked because mm-hmm. the outside stuff, like you say, looks good. And like when they go into the plate, the, the engine, which is actually a nuclear power plant, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know it because it, it's all like of, it's actually industrial,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's like properly being used for industrial purposes, like an engine room would be. Yeah. It, it looks so much... I mean, the other stuff is like narrower on a set. Mm-hmm. And this is all pretend, whereas this is outside. And, you know, it's it's one of the more jarring yeah. episodes of that. because, As well, the film quality is different because it's film and video, yeah, film outside, was... video in. So it's quite much different, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, that's always a big sort of hang up with me with Doctor Who is when they mm. used to switch between film and video. Because the difference is like night and day. I mean, even though even on a DVD that I'm watching on a Blu-ray player, you know, it's,
0: yeah. it's like well, you can it's, tell. There's what's... only so much that can do to help it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um. yeah. I think
0: the I think this like the interior sets,
1: especially like the bridge, could have done with being a little bit more industrial. I mean, yes, there's lots of like knobs and dials and fiddly things, mm. and that's all cool. Um, but I don't know. It, it this should be.
0: I feel like you want a bit more.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of weird looking at like, you know how the the Naxians are like very prosperous supposedly, but sort of like the the exterior models of the houses sort of like wouldn't look out of place in Moss Eisley. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, exactly. It should look a little bit flashier than it is somehow. But well, I mean, again, you know,
0: if you blink to miss it, you feel like you'd be watching Castrovalva. It's that same, yeah. you know, like you say in Mos Eisley, it's just kind of sand-coloured, ar- you know, arches, mm. and that's it. Yeah. You know, where apparently about six people live.
1: <laughs> oh, the crowd scene's great, isn't it? Yay!
0: Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tom Baker in this. Hmm. Mm. Mm. That's how I can really say. It. I mean, he's not bad in this. Yeah. I mean the
1: bit where he absolutely loses his shit with the captain over the yeah. trophy room is brilliant. Yeah, that's great. Um, but then he's sort of
0: kind of a like, oh, kind of a rare kind of a rare outburst of anger from him actually. Yeah,
1: it's not something he ever dud, did very dud, Not something he did very much. Um no. Apart from maybe Seeds of Doom. Mm. You know when it's
0: Scobie, like,
1: Scobie. <laughs> It's like holy shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, where'd
0: that come from? Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: um, but then he sort of like undermines it by doing his little Vogue thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's I mean something that will be that we, we when we ever if we ever talk about sort of his late sort of season 17, 18 work, mm-hmm. something that happens all the time, but it's something to ha- starting to happen now. Yeah, um, is like all the comedy stuff he wants to put in it. Mm-hmm. all sort like, of the you know the sort of big eyes big reactions kind of gag stuff talking to the camera yeah talking to the, all that kind of stuff is is starting to creep in yeah and again it, it, he's great when we're talking to like so he's talking to the captain and he sort of summons up the ability to be absolutely appalled by this scheme that they've got going on mm-hmm. which is something that again you don't really see a lot in Tom Baker's um, Doctor yeah no in that when he's confronted by the supervillain scheme, he usually just goes, and like, you know, fixes it. Yeah. But, you know, this one, he's really disgusted by it. Mm. And that does come across in the, you know, when he's um, talking to the captain and stuff like that. Yeah. And when it, it sort of revealed that we're going to go off to earth and crush earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, the panic that come, that he's obviously experiencing or the worry he's experiencing about that happening.
1: Yeah. It's, it's palpable. As well, it should be because, you know, the It doctors, seems quite genuine.
0: Yeah. You know, and this whole thing that we're going to have to go from the tardy, you know, and you have to go and do this tremendously... Yeah, I mean, but it, what I'm saying is he's, he's that when he's when he's doing that, because usually we're, with Tom Baker's Doctor, it doesn't seem like a big deal because it's mm-hmm. Tom Baker doing it, and it's because yeah. his, his manner. You sort of just go, okay, well, it will be fine. Yeah. But in this one, he's like, oh, my God, this is like some... This is some serious shit, and it may not work, and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've, you've, got to, you've got to say that that's good stuff from him. But yeah, I mean, as well, the, the Douglas Adams script mm-hmm. plays right up to those yes. sort of aspects of, that Tom Baker is, is putting in kind of unwarranted to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, you can like, easily, I mean, there was there was always like a story about Tom Baker
1: when, when we get into like this part of his tenure as the doctor, where he would sort of like flounce into a room, like chucking the script, and just like yelling, who writes this whole shit? but you can definitely tell when you've got Douglas Adams writing it he's known for his like very silly comedy in his way with words you mm. can sort of like see Tom thinking oh i could get along with this guy do you know what i mean yeah i can
0: do these bits yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and how much that I, th- I i i don't feel i don't know if it's because i'm in you know in a bit of a sourpuss mood or something like <laughs> that or <laughs> you know because of recent <laughs> geopolitical mm. events <laughs> um but this one, you know, usually I'm I'm down for a silly script, or you know, I, I I will give. I mean, people go back listen to any of our other reviews of of recent stuff or other stuff. I will give silly stuff quite a lot of rope. Mm-hmm. But this one, you you just didn't. I just didn't. It didn't vibe with me for some reason. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. Again, I don't know whether it's just Douglas Adams, you know, being a new boy. Hmm. Well, I think it might be that because I mean, like. I remember the comedy in City of Death being a lot better. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll visit City of Death in due course and then we'll probably, you know, see how that how it holds up.
0: Well, it will be, I mean, I watched it recently and it just, it turns into a quote fest. Yeah. Because you just, you end up, so I do, you end up saying to Chuck, oh, you know, I love you, so violent and all this sort of thing. <laughs> and yeah. you end up singing, oh, running through Paris, running through Paris, through the music. And yeah. yes, it's a lovely time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, but this one, this one just doesn't seem to hold up for me. Yeah, it's it's strange because I think this is probably
1: of the key to time series. This is probably one of the ones that gets brought up most.
0: Yeah, possibly.
1: Arguably, I mean, this and maybe Stones of Blood. Mm. I think. I don't, I think it's just because of like the iconography of it. Like, the captain,
0: you know, the yeah. first
1: thing. If you ever say to like a Doctor Who fan you know, the pirate planet, they'll probably think of the captain. Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost.
0: Yeah. You know, and start shouting some uh, choice oaths at people. <laughs> so, I mean, would this have been better if, you know, talking about the captain, would would it have been, you know, maybe more, ex- slightly more acceptable if maybe he was a bit, if he turned down the volume a little bit, if it was a bit more restrained?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't mind his sort of like his euphemisms and stuff because that's, that's all again it's all tying into like the the supposed idea that his bluster is to cover for like to you know like shake off like queen's anxiety, mm. um like to, to sort of like disguise the fact that he's plotting against her um but i mean it just
0: doesn't come like i think it needed more quiet bits also I think the problem is, is this is the pirate planet but he's literally the only pirate yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, you know it, he's, he's I mean... brought to you by the like, <laughs> Yeah. he's I mean, like no one else is
1: <laughs> like I mean there's, there's guards in like gimp masks and things and yeah
0: they, they've come from like a Berlin fetish club yeah it's
1: all very bizarre
0: <laughs> it's very strange mm. I mean I quite like the guards outfits so I think they're quite effective and creepy uh-huh. yeah oh, yeah but you know, appearing from a different story. Yeah. Like we watch the bloody Horns of Nymon. They look like they're from the Horns of Nymon. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna call it the Pirate Planet and you're mm. gonna have the captain, just go the whole hog and make them all pirates. Yeah. That would make much more sense.
1: Like even even if like his his underlings aren't actually pirates, you know,
0: mm. have have him make
1: them dress for the occasion. Do
0: you know what I mean? Yeah, Drez for the occasion, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, smash cut to the outside and they've got a big Jolly Roger stuck in the top of the planet.
1: Well, why not? I mean, it's, there's, there's not much um, salty going on with them, really, is there?
0: You know, I, I, feel, I just, I don't know. I sort of, because if he's going to be Captain Hook, I want the Lost Boys, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, do you think it's like it's,
1: it doesn't go far enough?
0: No, it, exactly. I mean, it, it either doesn't go far enough or he's gone too far on his own.
1: Yeah, it, it you know needs, what I mean? Yeah, he needs something to back it up or...
0: Because basically you've got, you know, like you say, the Gimp Patrol, yeah. a captain, a sort of sinister serverland ripoff, and a lounge lizard from Top of the Pops.
1: <laughs> what are all these people doing in the same room?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, he could understand if like, he was picking up people along the way.
0: Yeah, if, if they said, oh, you know, this is a refugee from such and such a place, we from some planet we crushed or whatever, we keep the most... Gimp fetish, wear fit. whoever can fit in the outfit, we keep. <laughs> yeah,
1: or some, I don't know. <laughs>
0: it's, mm. But, I mean, I don't entirely hate this. No. I know, I know it sounds like we're sort of, we're cussing it hardcore. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, episode two and 3
1: mm-hmm.
0: Pretty good stuff. Yeah. Episode two especially, I really like.
1: mm mm-hmm. it's It's, like I say, it's not bad,
0: no, but it, you, you just, I, I mean, I don't know if it's because it's Douglas Adams as well and all mm. the sort of historical baggage comes with him. You're just like, be better! Yeah. Mark yeah. Gaetius syndrome, if you will.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I think. Also, I, I don't know whether, I don't know how much this gets bigged up in amongst the fandom. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I don't know whether it's just sort of like, this is the one that, t- that tends to stick out most. But when you watch it, it's not, you sort of like go, well, what's, I don't get, I mean, it's enjoyable, but it's like, um, I'm trying to think if like, like everybody's like Blade Runner, for example, Mm. it's one of the most highly regarded science fiction movies going and everybody's like bigs it up. When I watched it, when it was broadcast on BBC Two a couple of years back, I finished watching it, I was like, well, that was a movie. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah do you know what I mean is it too no is it it's Douglas Adams because it's this mm. it's that it's got all of these kind of all this baggage with it you sort of want it to be more than what it is mm. it just doesn't
1: it just doesn't make it the market and again I think it's just because Douglas Adams was the new boy he hadn't really gotten the hang of it if that makes sense I mean he's got some great mm. ideas but he just can't get them properly across if that makes sense
0: no, I think I think it does make sense and like, you, like I say I think it's because all that weight of expectation like oh Douglas Adams wrote it's going to be this masterpiece you know mm. and you know it's that <laughs>
1: yeah
0: again not bad but fine it, yeah. it's de- it's 100% Mark Gatiss syndrome we're all you know we're all sort of waiting for him to kill us with this amazing script because mm-hmm. we've yeah. seen he can do it in other shows and you know again see our previous reviews of things mm-hmm. um hasn't quite hit it, I don't think, on Doctor Who yet. Yeah. It's got close, but not quite, mm. in my opinion, anyway. Yep. I mean, take a recent example. If, I mean, if you took about something that just went full till, I mean, if you take, you know, a gate script, say, like the Crimson Horror, mm-hmm. it's everything you know how to do, and it was full ball to the wall bonkers. Yeah. And yeah. it worked because it, it just went, it committed yeah. to it.
1: Yeah. Pirate Plant doesn't really. I don't think it's necessarily the script. I think it's just, I think in, that, in those terms, I think it's more the production crew wasn't sure.
0: Yeah, I feel like it needed more, it, if it had a stronger hand in the direction. mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, let's not say Pen Roberts is a bad job. No, 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 not at all. But I feel like, you know, he just said, oh, yeah, just you know just let it go with the flow mm-hmm. rather than narrowing everyone's focus into, right, okay, so this is more lighthearted or actually this is, it is this. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, the script, I, don't, I can't remember who was the script advisor at, at that time, but um, you sort of, having what, having looked at the, watched it all in one chunk, uh-huh. you wished that someone would have sat down with Douglas Adams and said, right, <laughs> this <laughs> needs to go in the bin, you need to move this bit to here, and you need to change some bits around here.
1: Yeah, it was Anthony Reed who was the script editor at the time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um but mind you, with Douglas Adams' infamous problem with deadlines, I think they were probably just happy to get something out of him that was yeah. finished. Yeah. I mean that's another thing
1: when um it was talking uh, the documentary on the DVD was talking to his half brother, I think, and I think mm. the guy who wrote his autobiography, like there was times where there was dead silence and then you'd hear this like thunderous typing and then there was this banshee like cursing when something didn't work out and then he's like, he'd play a record over and over and over again and then he'd take that off and then he'd play another record over and over and over again and there was dead silence for a couple of hours and then the thunderous typing again he's it's, it's, it's sort of like how does this guy get anything done
0: you think that's how George R.R. R. Martin writes <laughs> you know that dude's going to stone cold die before he finishes that and finish that series I think and everyone's going to be very upset he's planning on it Yeah, he hopes. The ultimate (laughs) fuck
1: you. (laughs) Fuck you, making me try to finish this series.
0: Yeah, fuck you for all fine suddenly realising you liked it, and now I've got to finish all these books. Bastards. It was better how any nerds liked it.
1: (laughs) When's the next one coming out? Fuck off. Never!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oi. Well then, is there anything else that you want to say about the pirate planet, or shall we call it a day there?
1: Um well, I think we can really call it a day because, uh, again, I kind of want to stress it, it's not bad. It's
0: no, I would just... say definitely. I would. I would struggle to recommend people watching this in isolation. Actually,
1: mm, yeah. like
0: if I was looking, like, because we, we've been on a big sort of rewatch thing, not in order, but just sort of picking things off the shelves. Mm-hmm. It was. It was no. I mean, obviously, we knew that I was going to be reviewing this, so we sort of deliberately didn't. You know, watch it with some other things, but mm-hmm. I would sort of, I would struggle to go. Oh, you know, I fancy that. Yeah. Just in isolation, whereas I feel like other stories will be coming to later on in, in the keys time. You can just pick it off the shelf and enjoy it as just a story. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, I think I would struggle to go. Oh, yes, that yeah. today.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, it's it's the sort of things like it's the sort of thing where you, it's like you remember liking it, and then when you watch it back, it's just sort of like, hmm, it's still good, but it's not as good as you sort of like seem to think it was. Or it,
0: it, that recent phenomenon where you find something on YouTube, then you're like, come here, come here, watch this, watch this, watch this, and it's not as funny. Yeah. <laughs> and you, the person who you've made watch it just looks at you like, you fucking idiot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So... With that being said, if you have any thoughts or opinions on the pirate planet, you can send them to us at greatest Show at SimplySyndicated.com. We do have our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash greatest show Podcast, and we do have our Twitter account at greatest show Pod. Whilst you're on the Simply Syndicated network, do check out all the other great shows, including Making Sense with Richard Smith and uh, Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots, Simply Syndicated Movie News, Take It or Leave It, etc., etc., um, do please buy things from the store. That would be very nice
0: if you... Yeah, uh... we're going to need... Mind you, if you hang on for, like, another two days, you'll probably have to get you for, like, six cans of beans, the way that our economy is going at the moment. Yeah, probably. Um... <laughs>
1: but um you know also we do have our patreon we do have uh, paypal we also have simply everything where for a uh, six pound per month subscription you can sim- listen to simply everything the simply syndicate has ever done including some exclusive shows such as say chicken not stirred and uh, the two remote patrol spin-offs, oh boy and trust no one anyway with that being said thank you very much Jammer. <laughs> thank you mike and we'll, t- we'll talk to you again next time